0: I'm William Henry.
1: And I'm Sylvia Penny, and I should be reading some of the scripture references.
2: And I am Michael Penny. Now, in our last podcast, we spoke about some of Jesus' parables which appear in Luke's Gospel. We discussed especially parables about the dangers of riches, but there was one story about a rich man that we didn't actually cover, if you remember, guys, and that was the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, verses 19
0: to 31. Yeah, that's that's quite a disturbing story, isn't it? It's Basically, mm. it's about a rich man who lived in luxury, but there was also a beggar, and Jesus gives him the name of Lazarus, and he sat outside the rich man's gate, begging for scraps of food. When both men died, the rich man was taken to Hades, where he was tortured by fire, but Lazarus went to Abraham's side, to be comforted and looked after.
2: Yes, yes. And when this unnamed rich man saw Abraham with Lazarus, he begged Abraham to send Lazarus to him to bring some water to cool his tongue. But this is what Abraham said back to the rich man in Luke uh, chapter 16, verses 25 to 26.
1: Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that's being fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us.
0: So then, basically, the story seems to be suggesting that in the afterlife, roles are going to be reversed and those of us who are rich now are going to be tormented in hell. Well, those of us who are poor will enjoy being with Abraham. But, I mean, why Abraham? Why not Jesus? Presumably Lazarus must have been a believer and the rich man an unbeliever.
2: Oh, well, the story the story doesn't say anything about whether they believed or not. It was just that one was rich and the, the other was poor.
0: Well, I mean, if that's the basis of deciding what happens when we die, then... Surely that goes against everything that the scripture says about faith and belief and obedience. Besides, how do you know it's a story anyway? Jesus doesn't actually say it's a parable. He just begins by saying there was a rich man. And he says the beggar was called Lazarus. So how do we know it's not a description of the fate of two real people?
2: Well, hold on a bit, Will. Hold on a bit. As you have just said, it flies in the face of all the other teaching in scripture about what we what god requires from us jesus said it was hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom and riches can be a barrier to following the lord but that doesn't mean to say that rich people are automatically thrown into hades simply there are no guarantees that if you are poor and a hard life you will be destined for heaven when you die
0: And, and what about the possibility of people in heaven talking with people
2: in hell oh well I cannot see a God of love who is not willing that any should perish setting up a system where that is possible. It would be monstrous, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, what's Abraham got to
0: do with it anyway? I mean, what do you think is going on in this story?
2: Well, what I think is going on is that I think Jesus was taking some of the Pharisees' teaching and throwing it back at them to make a point. Now, Josephus, the Jewish historian, who wrote shortly after the Lord's time on earth, describes what the Pharisees taught in his Discourse to the Greeks concerning Hades.
0: So so what was Hades then in this context? Is it not just
2: hell? No, not quite. Josephus is describing what the Pharisees believed to be the intermediate state between death and the final judgment. Now, according to their teaching, all the dead go into Hades. But some people, like Lazarus, presumably, go to a part of it that is a place of light called Abraham's bosom. And there they enjoy good things. But what about the bad people then? Well, according to the Pharisees, unjust people, like the rich man, they go to another part of Hades, which is a place of great darkness. There they face temporary punishments and come close to the great lake of fire where they know they will be thrown into after the final judgment. And Josephus talks about that great gulf between the two places, but he also suggests that those being punished will be able to see those in Abraham's bosom, even though they won't be able to get there.
0: But that's not in line with scripture
2: teaching, is it? No, it's not. In scripture, Hades is the realm of the dead. And David wrote about it in Psalm 16, actually.
1: Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. That's Psalm 16 verses 9 to 10.
2: Now that phrase, the realm of the dead, is the Hebrew word sheol, which is equivalent to the Greek word Hades, which we find in the New Testament.
0: Yeah, that's right. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter picks up these verses in Psalm 16 and shows that David was actually writing about Jesus.
2: Yes, yes, he does, because David himself did suffer decay. However, the Lord Jesus Christ did not. And Peter points this out in Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 32.
1: Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead that is Hades nor did his body see decay.
0: God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. So then it means that Sheol or Hades or the realm of the dead which is where the rich man was in the story is a real place then it's mentioned in scripture.
2: Well yes but it's nothing like the way it is described what's said in scripture is nothing like the way it's described by Josephus in his discourse on Hades and the story of the rich man and Lazarus all that was just Pharisaic teaching. So what are the differences then? Well The main difference is that in the scriptures, the realm of the dead, Hades, Sheol, is a place of silence, a lack of consciousness, and it is a place of sleep. There are lots of passages that suggest this in the Old Testament. For example, in Ecclesiastes 9.10, the writer says the following.
1: Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave, that is Sheol, where you are going... There is neither working, nor planning,
2: nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Uh, And earlier in the same chapter, we get the same idea.
1: For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. That's in Ecclesiastes 9 verse 5.
2: Yeah, well,
0: some people would say that Ecclesiastes is written by a man who doesn't really consider God. It's written from the standpoint of man under the sun who sees life that's futile and meaningless.
2: Well, I I don't think you can do that with the scriptures, you know, say that some bits are expressed in ideas that are not true. Besides, it's not just Ecclesiastes that speaks of the silence of the dead. We get similar comments in the Psalms and Isaiah, for example.
1: Let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. That's Psalm 31 verse 17. And it's not the dead who praise the Lord, Those who go down to the place of silence, that's Psalm 115, verse 17. And for the grave cannot praise you, death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It's in Isaiah 38, verses 18 to 19.
2: But what about the New Testament? Well, in the New Testament, the same idea of silence continues. And the state of the dead actually is described as sleep. For example, you may remember when Jesus' friend Lazarus was seriously ill, Jesus said this to the disciples.
1: Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. That's in John eleven eleven.
2: Now, the disciples misunderstood and they thought he meant natural sleep and they were pleased because they thought that that was a sign that Lazarus was going to recover. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus
0: is dead. in John 11 14. So Jesus then describes death as sleep also I think in Acts 7 I think it's verse 60 when Stephen was murdered um, by being stoned we read that after he pleaded for forgiveness for his killers Stephen fell asleep so we get it in Acts Mm -hmm. as well but what about Paul's teaching
2: does he say anything about that? Well yeah he does Uh, unless I look at Acts 13 I think it is Paul also quotes Psalm 16 about David, just as Peter had done earlier in Acts chapter 2. And this is what Paul says.
1: Now, when David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay.
0: That's in Acts 13, verses 36 to 37. So resurrection is the way out of the sleep of death then.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ah, You know, 1 Corinthians 15 is the great resurrection chapter. And Paul spends a lot of space emphasising the fact that Christ is risen from the dead. And because that is true, we also can be assured of being raised from the dead also. Listen to this.
1: If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. And those also have fallen asleep, in Christ are lost, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of all, of those who have fallen asleep that's one corinthians fifteen verses seventeen to twenty
0: yeah, that's right, so he talks them there, talks about them there as having fallen asleep and and later on in the same chapter, Paul goes on to discuss the nature of the resurrection body and talks about the fact that there will be people who will be alive. At the time that the lord returns and they'll never sleep at all listen
1: i tell you a mystery we will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed that's in one corinthians 15 verses 51 to 52
0: Okay, then. So those who are asleep will be raised imperishable, and those who are alive on the earth will be changed and presumably become imperishable without actually going through death.
2: Yeah, I think you're right there. And Paul has a bit more to say about this in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. In verse 18, he stated that he wanted to encourage the Thessalonian Christians who had lost loved ones. So this is what he wrote to them in verse 13.
1: Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope.
0: So Paul wants them to know the facts about the state of Christians who have
2: died. Yes, I think he does. And what he tells them is not that they are living in some disembodied existence with Abraham, but that they are asleep. And you know, in one Thessalonians four fourteen he described them as being asleep in Jesus, which I find a lovely thought. It's almost like a child sleeping in his father's arms, don't you think? Yeah. And
0: then Paul goes on and states that when Jesus returns, they will be raised from sleep. They'll be wakened, if you like, and those who are still alive will be transformed and caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air. See what he says there.
1: After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. That's in 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 14 to 18.
0: Right. And that's consistent with what he says in 1 Corinthians
2: 15 that
0: we looked at a moment ago.
2: Yes, it is consistent with that. And also Jesus himself said something similar in in John chapter 5.
1: Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And that's John 5 verses 25 and 28.
0: So the hope of the Christian then is bodily resurrection, not existing as a kind of disembodied soul.
2: Exactly, exactly. When the Lord's returned, we will be roused from sleep and given new resurrection bodies. In fact, glorious resurrection bodies, as Paul states in Philippians 3, 20 to 21.
1: But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body.
0: Right. Okay, but let's go back to the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You said earlier that Jesus was just picking up on the Pharisees' traditions just to make a point. Okay. so what was the point then? (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, well, we haven't finished the story yet. Well, we broke off in the yeah. middle to talk about the nature of Hades. There was still more dialogue between the rich man and Abraham.
0: Right. We left the story at the end of Luke 16, verse 26, where Abraham told the rich man that it was impossible for Lazarus to come to give the rich man a drink of water. And this is what the rich man said.
1: He, the rich man, answered. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And that's in Luke 16, verses 27 to 28.
0: Well, he wasn't all bad then. At least he cared about his brothers. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I suppose that's true. But But the interesting thing, the important thing is, how did Abraham reply?
1: Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from
0: the dead. That's verses 29 to 31. Okay, so that was the point of the story then. Even if someone was to rise from the dead, they still wouldn't believe. And I guess that's so true, wasn't it? After Jesus rose and the disciples started to preach the fact that he was risen, the Jewish leaders still refused to believe.
2: Well, yeah, Jesus could have been talking about himself, and many think that, but I don't think he meant his own resurrection.
0: Well, who do you think he was speaking about then? Lazarus.
2: Lazarus? Mary, Martha's brother in Bethany? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, Jesus brought Lazarus back to life after four days in the grave. And we read about the raising of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Now, it's hard to piece together the exact chronological order of the events across the four gospels, but that must have happened not too long after Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Then in the next chapter, John chapter twelve, Jesus describes the or John describes the Jews' response to the raising of Lazarus, and that immediately followed by Jesus riding into Jerusalem.
0: Yes, and and the rich man and Lazarus story in Luke chapter sixteen comes just three chapters before the ride into Jerusalem. So the Lord may well have told that story shortly before he raised Lazarus to life again.
2: Yes. And if you think about it, this is the only story of Jesus's where he gives a name to one of the characters. And in the NIV translation of the story, he mentions the name Lazarus five times in those few verses, which is quite a big emphasis.
0: Yeah, that must have been really powerful, wasn't it? I mean, to tell a story in which the possibility of a character called Lazarus being brought back from the dead is mentioned in the story... And then to go on to actually do that to a real person called Lazarus, that must have had a huge impact.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. And in the parable, Abraham told the rich man that they would not believe even if someone rose from the dead. See, the Jewish's reaction to the raising of Lazarus is in John's gospel. Some of the ordinary people believed in Jesus after Lazarus was brought back to life, but not all of them. This is what John says.
1: But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? they asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. And so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. in John 11, verses 46 to
0: 48, and then verse 53. So they didn't believe, even though someone was raised from the dead. And in fact, the raising of Lazarus only increased their determination to have Jesus killed.
2: Yeah, that's true. But not only to have Jesus killed, they wanted to murder Lazarus also.
1: The chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus, and putting their faith in him. John
0: 12, verses 10 to 11. It shows the extent to which the Jewish leaders were willing to suppress the truth, doesn't it? But what about Jesus' resurrection? Did that have any effect on the Jewish leaders, do you think?
2: Well, I don't think so. It does not seem to have had on the high priest and the captain of the temple guard and most of the leaders, for early in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, those leaders had Peter and John arrested. But Christ's resurrection did have an effect on some. In Acts 15, verse 5, we read that some of the Pharisees had become believers. Then
1: some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. They
2: they certainly still had some things wrong, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did. That's true. But, you know, you don't have to get all your theology right to be a Christian you need to believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again for our justification but you know it just wasn't some of the pharisees who became christians after christ rose from the dead in acts chapter 6 verse 7 we read the following
1: so the word of god spread the number of disciples in jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith
0: but when those Priests, mostly Sadducees. I thought Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection.
2: <laughs> they didn't, <laughs> but it looked as if Christ's resurrection had a far greater impact than the resurrection of Lazarus. I think that's true. Anyway, let's get back to Luke's gospel. Jesus was getting close to the end of his journey to Jerusalem, and he was well aware of the fact that he was going to be murdered when he got there. In Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33, we find Jesus telling disciples yet again what was going to happen to him when he arrived in Jerusalem.
1: We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day... He will rise again.
0: But the disciples still hadn't really got a hold of that, had they?
1: The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. It's Luke 18, verse 34.
0: So what do you think, Mike? Do you think it was God or Satan that had hidden the meaning from them? Or was it just their own slowness of mind to understand the things that Jesus was saying?
2: Oh, well, yeah, this came up earlier, if you remember, well, in Luke 9.45. And I think we discussed this in podcast number six in this series. Neither there nor here does it say who or what hid it from them. Earlier, I suggested it was God who had hid it Um, to protect them, I think. You see, if they had fully understood what Jesus was going to go through, I I think all of that would have been too hard for them to bear. Yeah, yeah,
0: you may well be right there. So so well, it's an interesting parable, isn't it, the, the rich man yeah. and Lazarus? Oh, yeah. Jesus is heading for Jerusalem now. So next time we'll have a look at what actually happened when Jesus and his disciples did arrive in Jerusalem. So thank you for listening.